I've always been a buy and hold person. Um, that's always been my investment strategy. And whilst I've had itchy feet sometimes to sell stuff, I haven't done it because, you know, I've always wanted to create wealth and, and build that asset pool because I've always been a very big believer in make money while you sleep. So yeah. I say that there's a part of me that's excited about it because I'm actually, you know, I had a goal many years ago to have $20 million in un- unencumbered debt um, that I could use as a, from a, I don't like to use the word retirement, but everyone needs a number. If anyone gets anything out of this podcast, it's like every single person needs a number. What is your number? Welcome to Get Invested, the leading weekly podcast to help you unlock your full potential and enjoy your version of sustainable success that lies at the intersection of your three elves, yourself, your health, and your wealth. I'm your host and guide, Bushy Martin, and each week we go deep sharing great conversations with proven experts in all walks of life, including the best investors, property experts, analysts, leaders, founders, sports stars, and health gurus, to uncover their secret know-how on where they invest their time, their skills, and their money, and the benefits that this creates. To help you find out what it takes to break free from the grind and discover your flavor of freedom, to create your freedom formula. You see, the truth is that everyone invests, Every second of every minute of every day, we're investing our time, our skills, our energy, and our money in something. Some of us are investing consciously, some unconsciously, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad, and sometimes for no impact. Get Invested will help you start living by design, not by default. I'm going to help you to make it happen, not let it happen. You'll hear the top tips on how you can live with conscious intent so that you can live more, work less, and live your legacy by investing now. You'll enjoy the stories and secrets of high performers who invest for success in every aspect of their lives and discover the top tips on how to get started, how to make the most of your investment journey, and ultimately, to be living your dream, not someone else's. As you engage in each episode, you'll glean the information, inspiration, and implementation that you need to get empowered and get invested in imagining and actioning the life that you've always dreamed about. And Get Invested is proudly part of Property Hub, your home for property investment insights and inspiration. Make sure you subscribe now on your favourite podcast player to get every episode of Get Invested and Realty Talk, which is Australia's leading and longest running online property show that's full of red hot property investing news and insights direct from all of the industry leaders and influencers. You can also connect with me personally and join the Get Invested community of fellow freedom fighters at bushymartin.com.au or on knowhowproperty.com.au. Now, let's get invested. Hi, freedom fighters. I've enjoyed such a great, open and engaging conversation with all-star auctioneer Damien Cooley that I've decided to break our chat into two parts spread across two episodes. This first part today dives into Damien's journey so far, where you'll hear of his highs and lows on his way to becoming Australia's leading auctioneer of choice. You'll get to dive deep into his mindset and motivations that have contributed to his incredible sustainable success, along with how he's managed to work through the considerable challenges that he's had and continues to have along the way, as he shares his personal, professional, and passive investment peaks and troughs. And yes, yet again, it's the obstacles that show us the way. So enjoy this very open, honest, and moving conversation that will well and truly whet your appetite for next week's part two, where we dive headlong into the wonderful world of all things auctions and how you can maneuver them to your advantage. You're really going to love these episodes, so enjoy the ever-ready Damien Cooley. Hi, friend and fighters. When was the last time you attended an auction? Were you a potential buyer, a seller, a family friend, or maybe just a curious bystander or neighbor? And how did you feel when someone mentions the word auction? Are you daunted? Do feelings of anxiety, uncertainty, fear, or foreboding immediately make your heart race? Or on the flip side, do you get excited and are eager with anticipation? Because auctions are often perceived as high-pressure environments aimed at disarming you as a buyer 
and stirring up the emotions of greed and fear in a very highly competitive, fast-moving and very public crowd environment where you're under the spotlight and it's easy to end up bidding well above your limit or worse still, getting paralyzed with fear and not bidding at all. But one thing's for sure, your emotions are likely to be heightened in an atmosphere where nervous energy is on overdrive. Now, I've often heard auction bidding described as being like a bunch of potential buyers sprinting headlong towards a cliff, and the only way to win is for you to outlast a competition by skidding to a sudden stop just before you fall over the edge. With figures flying through the air like machine gun bullets and an auctioneer talking at the speed of light and paddles, fingers and eyebrows going up, left, right and centre, the high-pressure street theatre of auctions can be frightening and overwhelming regardless of how prepared you feel prior to the day. But they don't have to be. You may not know that my good father, the original Bushy, became an auctioneer late in his life selling large rural properties and farms along with sheep and cattle, clearing sales and charity auctions. And for many of those years in my late teens and 20s, I did the booking for him. So I got to see the good, bad and ugly of auctions. I got the privilege of observing the full spectrum of auctions from multi-million dollar homesteads down to buckets of old wire, rusty nails and old toilet seats at farm clearing sales. So here's what I know. The reality is that at some point in your life, you're likely to sell a property at auction or try and buy a property or something else at auction. So today, we're going to demystify the exciting world of auctions so that you can embrace them as an opportunity instead of a threat. If you're well prepared financially, mentally, emotionally and strategically, Auctions can actually be exciting events and great opportunities, no matter whether you're a buyer or a seller. But who do you turn to in order to really understand the psychology, the strategies, and the tips to succeed at auction, whether you're a buyer or a hopeful seller? You need to seek the advice and guidance from the best of the best, someone who eats, sleeps, and breathes auctions and consistently achieves outstanding results. And today, we're going to just do just that. Our very special guest is the auctioneer of choice for many of Australia's uh, premier sellers and most respected real estate agencies. An auctioneer whose business conducted 6,000 auctions last financial year alone, and who's personally conducted over 2,000 auctions a year for nearly 20 years now. We're talking about an auctioneer who's received countless accolades, which are testament to his focus and unwavering commitment to his crafts that's resulted in him achieving consistently exceptional results. His experience and reputation has extended to reality television, where he's performed the winning auction on the block numerous times and is the most booked auctioneer on the show. He's also performed auctions on other reality TV series, including The Renovators, Under the Hammer, Hot Auctions, Selling Houses Australia and Lux Listings Sydney. As a result, he's been recognised as contributing significantly to the revitalisation of Sydney's auction market, and in a recent year pre-COVID, he sold $2.3 billion worth of real estate. If you haven't guessed already, I'm talking about one of Australia's leading and most highly awarded auctioneers, Damien Cooley. So welcome, and let's get invested, Damien. Thanks, Pushy. Some introduction, mate. I appreciate it. Very no, nice. You've done uh, some amazing things in the auction space, mate. And uh, yeah, as as I say, uh, auctions are a part of our life at some point. So uh, and that they can be daunting for some and exciting for others. Uh, today, I'm really looking forward to getting into the meat and potatoes of that subject. But before we do so, mate, for for any of those uh, uh, listening who've been living under a rock uh, and don't know who you are, can you give us a bit quick rundown on on who you are, what you do differently, and most importantly, why you do what you do, mate? Yep. Uh, I started in real estate in April 1999, uh, and that was in Sydney. I left school in 98, uh, so that makes me 42 years old today. Um, <laughs> in fact, in, in my first week in real estate, we had a, a huge hailstorm in Sydney, and we had a lot of tenants moving out into crisis accommodation and um, that was kind of my my first week introduction into real estate. I got into property management initially. Um, I was a leasing consultant uh, for a business at Elders Real Estate in Randwick for a couple of years. Um, the, the catalyst for me deciding to become an auctioneer was that one day my boss, Robert Anderson, um, who I 
I hold dearly in my uh, in my career, and I guess encouraging me to do what I do right now, is he came down and asked me if I wanted to go in the the Real Estate Institute of New South Wales Novice Auctioneers Competition. Okay. And having having never conducted an auction, I thought that'd be a great idea because I, I used to love watching the auctions for our office, for our real estate office. Um, in fact, one auction that I went and watched was my my grandmother's house. Okay. Um, she had passed; she'd passed away, and uh, I went and watched the auctioneer. And I remember my dad setting a reserve of seven hundred and fifty thousand. It sold for eight hundred and fifteen. Um, and you know you couldn't wipe the smile off my dad's uh, face, and I remember him distinctly saying, "You know, your grandmother would be would be turning in her grave thinking about what uh, what crazy money people are paying for this home." <laughs> um, and you know the 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 fun thing about that is that 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 same house now, which is you know six hundred square metre block of land in Cottenham Avenue, Kensington, Premier Street, Premier location, you know that's probably worth four million bucks now. Um, Having having potentially done nothing to it, so that was the exciting part of of, of auctions. That was the exciting part of real estate. Yep. Um, and for me, I think that that was the really exciting part of getting into what what I do now is because being an auctioneer, you're standing out the front of a out front in front of a crowd. Um, you are you are entertaining uh, whilst being professional. Um, you are you are giving buyers. Um, a, a platform that is literally changing their lives, whether they buy or whether they don't buy. Um, you're, you're helping vendors achieve prices um, and, and in some cases helping them move on to the next stage of their lives. Um, and you're really at the coalface of the market. I, I think that that is a really exciting thing for me. Yeah, and no, uh, having uh, been involved in auctions a lot, I, uh, I can see where that would really get the blood pumping? Um, yeah, for me, I think it was really important learning the basics about real estate before I kind of got into real estate. I've actually never listed or sold a house. So I've never been in sales as such. I I, I literally went from being a property manager leasing to leasing um, to back to being a property manager for a while and then literally just moving into the auctioneering space and and I, I haven't turned back. And And like you said in your introduction, um, you know, I've been the most booked auctioneer in the country for for many years. Um, for me, that's changing slightly in the sense that I'm I'm looking as I as I I don't like to say get older, but I guess I am right. I'm 42 <laughs> and and I'm older than I was when I was 21 when I actually started my business. Um, you know that that was a really exciting thing for me. I had the back up against the wall, nothing to lose. Started the business and bang, here we are today. But as I as I um, as I do get older, I think more about you know where is my life, what am I doing in life, how do I enjoy myself? Um, you know, I've got I've got three beautiful children now. How do I spend time with them? How do I spend more time with them? Um, and how do I create wealth? Yeah, it's uh, it sort of all all gets uh, caught up in that exercise. If we if we look back on your journey so far, then. Uh, Damien, uh, I'd like to sort of focus on you know the, the the biggest challenging events that you've experienced in your life so far, and and what have been the greatest learnings and best changes that have that have come out of them or, or coming out of them, depending on where that sits. Yep, um, biggest events in my life. Well, there's been a lot of big events in my life. Um, I feel like that there's been more big events in the last five years, to be honest, <laughs> than maybe that, that there were in the early stages of my life. Um, yeah. I think I think making the decision to not go to university was a was a big decision. Um, mm. You know, my dad was a lawyer, my brother was a lawyer. Um, we had a lot of uh, uh, you know legal side of in in my family. I'm one of five children. Um, yeah. You know, my my mum passed away at 66 years old. Um, Dad, uh, dad has dementia. He's in a he's in a clinic at the moment. Um, you know, I'm going through a lot of stuff personally. I'm actually separating from my wife at the moment, which is a which is a big um, big change in my life. Um, I think the big thing for me initially was I didn't go to university. I went for university for a week. I hated it. Felt like I was back at school again. <laughs> um, and I remember coming home and telling my dad that I wasn't going to go to uni, and he was. He was disgusted in me because he he had, was keen for me to become a lawyer, and 
he actually did a lot of conveyancing solicitor uh, work. Yep. So he worked a lot with real estate agents. Um, but, you know, obviously he's incredibly proud of me now and what I've done. So I think that was a big change um, in my life, getting straight into real estate. Um, that, would, that would have been a, just jumping in there, mate, that, that would have been a pretty hard conversation if the, that the sort of whole family has that sort of legal bent and they'd go to uni, uh, get the academia behind you and then, then you know, sort of build a career from there. Uh, when, when you're surrounded in that environment to sit down and say, well, hey, Dad, this isn't for me, I'm going to do something else. Um, mm. what, what sort of gave you the the strength and the courage uh, to be able to have that conversation? Because a lot of people w- would buckle under the pressure. <laughs> funny, funny enough, I remember sitting in a lecture, and I remember the lecturer saying something to the effect of, "You know, as of next week, you're you tick over being uh, having to to pay like the first round of university fees or." to click over at the time, I think it was called Hex or something, you know, yeah. to click over into to paying your, your university fees. And I remember, distinctly remember thinking to myself, I'm getting out of this joint before that before that date, you know, I've got to leave. <laughs> so <laughs> I literally went home and told Dad that afternoon. It wasn't, you know, it, it probably felt like a big deal maybe at the time, but looking back on it now, you know, I guess it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, I think one of the biggest person people that has influenced my my career and and I guess the way I think about um about wealth uh, yeah. and about family and actually about living and 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 living a, a better and a more fulfilled life I think and this is I guess a, a, a big event for me is that I went to what's called the Australian real estate conference one year Eric um and I, I listened to a, a guy called Dr Fred Gross um Dr Fred Gross has become you know, I think one of one of my greatest mentors, business coaches um, that I've that I have ever had, um, and I and I still speak to, to Dr. Fred regularly. Um, I have coaches for everything. That just that's a, probably a side topic, but you know, every single thing I do, I've got a coach for because I think that's incredibly important. But Dr. Fred changed the way um, that I live my life. He really did. He he helped me understand what is important in life um, to, to you. And, and what's important to me is different to what's important to you and different to what's important to the next person. Yeah. Um, he helped me understand that I need personal business and life goals. He helped me understand that I need to, to do things every single day that work towards achieving those and make them fun and interesting. Um, I learned about what he defines as what rewards and non-rewards. Um, I, I learned a lot about living and creating wealth. So, you know, I, I literally sit down every week and look at um, look at my wealth spreadsheet. Um, I look review my goals. Um, I work. I look at what's working and what's not working. Um, and for me, that's important. Uh, another one of the big events I think in my life, and this is probably more recent, was um, was COVID. Um, I uh, two things part of that. I actually started an online auction business. Yeah. Which um, I was quite naive in thinking that was you know only going to cost me a hundred grand or one hundred and fifty thousand dollars to build this online auction platform. <laughs> um, you know, one point four million dollars cash later, I was um, <laughs> pretty stressed, and uh, I kind of saw everything going leaving. Um, but COVID hit, and that was even more stressful. I thought the world was going to end, um, yeah. and all of these events you know it's it's funny when you look back on things and hindsight's a wonderful thing i i often say that the revision mirror is very small but the but the windscreen in front of you is um is very large and so i do prefer to try and look forward rather than look back but you can learn a lot um from mistakes and and i've certainly made lots of those um but you you also have a big a thing called life in front of you and um, I, I try not to dwell on things that have happened in the past. Um, it's hard because sometimes, you know, you, you, your memory casts back to those things. But I really try and look forward and, and say, okay, well, how can I be a better version of myself? U- ultimately, the decision, Bushy, that I've come to is that if I can be a better version of myself and if, if I feel good about myself, everything else will fall into place. Yeah, 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 no word. Very well said. Uh, you sort of touched on 
the fact that you're, you know, sort of currently going through a, a separation with your good wife. Uh, yep. having, having been there myself many years ago, I personally found that extremely challenging. Uh, and, and I actually spent uh, more, more time after my marriage went west uh, with, with counselling, getting my own headset sort of outside, I didn't fall in yep. this trap again. What what do you believe has sort of led to that situation? And I, I'm guessing here, mate, just just uh, sort of Google stalking you a bit before the chat today, that you are very uh, goal focused. Uh, you're very disciplined. Uh, you would put a hundred percent into just about everything you do, and you know that flows through to your work. Uh, you know, in marathon running and. Uh, Ironman uh, triathlete competitions that that requires a lot of discipline, a lot of persistence, but a, a lot of yep. time commitment. Uh, and you know, in, in my own case, Damien, uh, I was so career focused that uh, I, I didn't put enough energy into family and and paid the very bitter price for that. Uh, can are you, yep. you happy to sort I of think, share? Look, I, I think for I think for me personally, and obviously I can't speak for for my for my wife. Um, but for me personally, I think, you know, you, you're in love with someone. Um, it's possible that you can fall out of love with someone. It's not that you don't actually love them. It's just yeah. that you, in a relationship, um, it's time to move on. Um, yeah. And I think that's really more for me. Like I, I care deeply for about for my family. Um, mm-hmm. I care deeply for my ex-wife. I care deeply for my children. I think that that is different to being in love or out of love if that makes sense so for me it was it was time to move on um and and for and for my um for my wife it was time for her to move on also and i think both of us feel and again i can't speak for her but i think both of us feel that it's the right thing for both of us and and i think that both of us will will be happier um doing what we're doing i think that the biggest challenges around that is that, you know, we've been married probably, I'm going to say 16 odd years. um, And you build a lot during that time. um, And to unwind that asset pool and and wealth that's been created and relationships and children um, and emotions, that takes time. Um, That is not an easy, that is not an easy unwind. Um, And I think, you know the the challenges that probably both of us face in that is is not just a not just a it's happening um, and you've got to walk work through the the finance side of things. It's the all the emotion that goes with it, bushy. To be frank, mate, like it's it's it is a very emotional time. Um, it's easy yeah. to to have a short switch. Um, I think COVID. Uh, not that I want to use this as it's certainly not an excuse for my marriage, but. I think COVID changed the way a lot of people think about life. Yeah. Um, I bought a farm during COVID. Yeah. I I always wanted to have a farm. I, I actually went droving and jackarooing for twelve months before I before I uh, got into real estate itself. Well, sorry, it's actually I was in real estate for about a year and then I got I went droving. Yeah, um, okay. It was an unbelievable experience. Loved it, and I, I've yeah. I've had a deep connection with the land. I went to boarding school. Um, a lot of country mates, and I think for me, COVID um, was the catalyst for our, for for us buying the farm. Yeah, I absolutely love going down there. And as soon as I finish this podcast with you, I'm heading down. I'm heading down to the farm. And I'm <laughs> staying there tonight, and I'll, and I'll be coming back um, tomorrow lunchtime, and I have auctions tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, I, I love getting away. I love spending time. That's a bit of a release for me. I can saddle a horse up and go for a ride. I can jump on a motorbike. I can. I can go and chop wood. I can start a fire. Like a for me, yep. that is, you know, that's just about connecting with who I am and who I want to be. So I think yep. COVID was a was a big part of that. Um, but you can't underestimate what emotions you go through. For me, right? Or for me, I don't underestimate the emotions of of separating yep. um, and spending time with children. Um, and that's the biggest part of it, frankly. Um, you know, the you, the things that you used to be able to do that you can't do anymore um, that, you know, in many cases you, I took for granted um, and I think it would be unreasonable of anyone to say that they didn't take things for granted. Um, and it's, yeah, I think now it's about learning from those, uh, learning from that stuff and trying to be a better person um, and a better version of yourself. I, I don't make any... Um, any what's the word uh 
like I, I yes, I worked hard, um, but I, I feel like I was I was always there. I tried I tried really hard to be there. Yeah. Um, and I also understand that you know people play different roles in relationships, and and my role was obviously to be a dad and a great dad, but also um, to be uh, to be a provider, um, as my wife did also. And you know, I think that both of us now can can plan towards our, the next stage of our lives. And you know, I, I certainly support her in that decision also. Yeah, it's uh, a, a rare sort of uh, view of the exercise because often, as you've mentioned, the emotions get in the way of good sense in in that uh, highly uh, charged environment when you're going through a, a major. Uh, relationship separation. Uh, something else that you sort of touched on, because I'm a, imagining and, and wouldn't mind if you'll you know, share as much as you're open to, but yep. in a 16-year marriage, uh, given how focused you are and, and you know, your, what, what you're looking to achieve, uh, both lifestyle-wise and the supporting wealth-wise, I'm sure you've built up a, a pretty uh, impressive portfolio of assets. Uh, yep. In terms of manoeuvring and managing the the uh, the property settlement side of that relationship exercise, yeah, I've seen a lot of people totally shipwreck themselves and make lawyers rich, but end up uh, in in a, a very average position themselves. So, uh, yeah, are you happy to share how you're sort of uh, manoeuvring through that to maintain? Look, from from a from an investment point of view. Um, you know, I think we bought our first property back in I'm going to say 2006 when I when I actually got married. Yeah. Um, we bought a first property in 2006. We sold that in order to buy the family home. Yeah. Um, I bought a, a property in Erskineville, um, which we have a portfolio of about seven or eight properties. Um, obviously, some are worth a lot more than others. Um, our family home in Artam and is a you know absolutely beautiful. Beautiful. It was my dream home. Yeah. On my life goal list, I wanted a five-bedroom home with a big backyard, pool, um, wine cellar, because I'm a bit of a collector of wine, yeah. um, and I wanted all those things. That's that's the home. So it breaks me to not be in that home right now. Um, that that is hard. But we have, you know, I bought an investment property in Erskineville, paid five hundred eighty thousand for it. You know, back in two thousand and seven. And, uh, you know, that's probably worth the best part of, you know, close to two million bucks or more um, now. So it's exciting, actually, to, to think about realising that that wealth. So yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to think about it like, yes, it's it's financially, it's incredibly challenging. And I, I won't go into too much detail about that no, because it's no. private for both Pepe and I. But I think one part, which might sound a bit odd, but I'm actually, I'm excited about the uh the property sale stuff because you know i've actually never sold some i've never sold something um for the sake of selling it if that makes sense i've only ever sold one property um sorry two properties one one was a, a property in narrenburn that we sold in order to buy our new family home yep and the other was a was an apartment i sold in camperdown because i needed the money um for renovating our new offices so I've always been a buy and hold person. Um, that's always been my investment strategy. And whilst I've had itchy feet sometimes to sell stuff, I haven't done it because, you know, I've always wanted to create wealth and, and build that asset pool because I've always been a very big believer in make money while you sleep. So yeah. I say that there's a part of me that's excited about it because I'm actually, you know, I had a goal many years ago to have $20 million in un unencumbered debt um, that I could use as a from a I don't like to use the word retirement, but everyone needs a number. If anyone gets anything out of this podcast, it's like every single person needs a number. What is your number? My number was twenty um, because I believe that if I had you know a house that was worth um, ten, and then I had um, ten million in unencumbered investments, yeah. um, then I if I if I earned a five percent return on that ten million. Um, that was half a million dollars a year. Um, and to me, that was a significant amount of money that I could um, use for holidays, um, doing all sorts of fun things, going on, uh, you know, extravagant holidays, frankly, but not not interrupting my um, the asset itself and not reducing my net wealth. 
and that net wealth would continue to grow as property values increased, as share portfolios increased, other investments increased. Um, you know, so that's been my number. But there is a part of me that's excited about finding out what that number now is going to be. <laughs> yes. Which probably sounds a bit silly to some, but for somebody who's thought about it for uh, for 20 years, I'm, uh, I'm interested to know what that number is now going to be because you don't really know if you've achieved the goal until you actually sell everything. Totally. So exactly yeah. right. And uh, what I love about what you've just said there, I, I call them the freedom numbers, mate. Uh, the conversation that we have with people that we're assisting starts with your freedom numbers because if you don't know what your numbers are, then you don't you don't know what you should be doing, how to, to yep. achieve them. And yep. that sort of folds into, you know, the, the concept of living by design. Now, you've touched on this a little bit already, but I'd love for you to share with us your picture of your life vision and your ideal lifestyle now. Yep. You're probably having to reshape that a little bit in the current exercise and then then and make that as vivid as you can. And then talk to us about what's your ongoing investment strategy going to be to both attain and maintain that long term. Yeah, look, for me, um, uh, I think it's all about, you know, understanding what my position is. Um, and un- unfortunately, financially, I-, I don't know what that position is at the moment, um, yeah. which yeah. is a which is a bit of a scary thought. However, putting that aside, living a life by design is, is I would say, one of the most important things that changed my life. Um, without any shadow of a doubt, I always used to think I had goals. I always used to think I wanted to achieve things. But until I actually started writing these things down and, and goal dumping um, and writing down what's important to me, I actually I actually was just living day by day. I actually yeah. wasn't living my life by design at all. And I know that I need to review my life goals um, all the time. And, I, I mean, I've got them in front of me right now because I have them on me all the time. I yeah. write out my personal goals through till the end of every every calendar year. I write out my business goals through to the end of the calendar year every year and I write out my life goals. The life goals are the ones that excite me. Um, I write my life goals out. I, I try and put dates on them with my life goals, but I think that the life goals are just, for me, they're things that I want to achieve at some point in my life. And actually, it doesn't matter whether I achieve them this year, next year, the following year or whenever it might be. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I'll just read a couple to you. I want to watch a wildebeest migration. I want mm-hmm. to watch an NBA game in in Los Angeles. Um, I want to watch a semi or a final of Wimbledon, the US Open. Um, have twenty million dollars in unencumbered assets. Um, I've added to that. I want to have five million dollars in shares. I want to fly, fly first class overseas. I want to see my children through private schooling. Um, I want to own a Maserati. I want to own a seventy nine series Cruiser Ute, which I'm actually getting in two weeks. <laughs> I want to own a Bentley. I want to walk my daughter Eva down the aisle at her wedding. You know, these are the sorts of things that make my heart sing um and i think you know i've, I've got a, literally a list of two pages of, of life goals but these are the things that um that are important to me and these are the things that excite me and i and i think everybody should go grab a piece of paper and start writing out and it doesn't matter how grand or how how small or how silly you think it might be um you know these are the things that um, that you should want to do. I want to own and operate an Angus stud. I want to own a beach house in Whale Beach. You know, like I can't afford a beach house in Whale Beach. God knows when I'm going to be able to afford a beach house in Whale Beach, but, but I'd like <laughs> to hope one day maybe I can. So it's on the goal sheet. I uh, love it, mate. I, I, just the the energy that that comes out of creating that very vivid magnet. Uh, yep. it, it, it motivates you. Uh, you know, I, I, you're sort of uh, singing my tune here, mate, because I'm I'm very similar to you on that regard. And it, but it also acts as a compass because it means that every decision you're making day to day is based on well, is that taking me closer to those goals or further away? Yep. And yep. all of a sudden, you've got a guidance system that's the, that's keeping you on track rather than just allowing life to happen and and uh, using the excuse of being too busy. And then, yep. then getting to the retirement age and going, where did it all go? And holy hell, I, I haven't done much and I have, don't have the ability to do much. Yep. From a business point of view, Bushy, like I, I used to have an appointment in my diary every week saying media hour. And media hour was because I've never had a PR person do PR for, for me. I've always done everything myself. 
Yeah. Um, I, I used to have that appointment in my diary. I stopped doing that. I stopped contacting the media. I stopped. And look, I, I had from time to time people call me, but I stopped it. Now, I realized that I was off track on that. I realized that I was off track. What have I done to get back on track? I've started doing that again. I have actually set myself a goal that between now, August, and 31st of December, I want to be quoted in the paper 12 times, okay? Yeah. Now, that's six, basically, that's six months. Uh, it's actually five months. I want to be quoted in the paper 12 times. So I need to be in the paper at least twice a month, if not three times a month, right? So right now, I'm sitting on the 20, 20th of something like that, or, you know, late August, yeah. and I've been quoted in the paper three times this month, yeah. straight off the back of me making the decision that I need to pull my finger out and get back on, get back working hard, speaking to clients, chasing business. You know, one one thing that I feel like right now is that I feel like I'm a day one in real estate again. I really do. I, I feel like I feel like I'm day one creating wealth again. I feel like I'm day one in real estate again. I'm day one in in relationships again. I'm day one with my kids. And it's like, okay, mate, life's changing. You're at square one. You can sit in the back corner and you can sulk. Or, and you can say, poor me, and this didn't go right or this didn't go right. Or you can just say, you know what, you you can change everything at the click of your fingers. So what is your attitude going to be? And and I'm obviously taking the positive attitude and I'm going to say, I'm going to change stuff and I'm going to make things really good for everyone that I touch. And I'm going to do more for charity. I'm going to do more for myself. I'm going to do more for my kids. And I'm just going to work harder and be a better dad and a better person. So, you know, that's the attitude that I'm taking right now. Love it, mate. I love the positive, the positivity of that, and 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 taking control of it, mate. Uh, it's sort of that's nice leverage into, uh, you know, what what's your definition of sustainable success? Mm. Um, I don't. I, a lot of people talk about balance. I, I say this: if you want to be the best at what you do, there is no thing called balance. There's no, no balance. Um, if you want to be the best, right? If you want to be, if you want to be the absolute best dad, if you want to be, if you want to turn up every time to every sport match, take kids to school, pick kids up from school. If you want to be there at every parent teacher meeting, if you want to be all that, you can't be the best in your business at what you do yeah. because it takes you away from that, right? If yeah. you want to be the best in your business, you, there are certain things that you will sacrifice. You have to make sacrifices. You just have to. Yeah. You know, I I uh, remember that when I was training for Ironman, I've done two Ironmans. Um, you know, I, I got to the point where I was training probably around twenty hours a week. Exercise training, I'm talking about yeah. training twenty hours a week to to be the the fittest version of me. Yeah. I said one thing to myself: You need to get to that start line, and you want to say to yourself, "There is nothing more you could have done." Yeah. And if you can say that to yourself when you're standing on that start line then you will, as a result of the training, run the run and compete the best race that you, of your life. And I did. And I yeah. did the same thing when I ran a 100-kilometer race um, in Ultra Trails Australia. I did the same thing when I, when I ran 2 hours and 53 minutes in the Sydney Marathon. I did the same thing when I came, you know, 160-odd in the city to surf. I ran 51 minutes 30. Um, you know, all of that stuff, I, I, I achieved all those goals. Um, for me now, what is what is what is being you know business sustainability or sustainability in life in general? For me, I am trying to find more of a balance. Um, I am trying to find uh, being fulfilled more rather than setting a goal and achieving it. I'm trying to ask myself what fulfills me, and I think these are the questions that you start trying to ask yourself as you as you get a little bit older. They're very different to the questions I was asking myself when I was 20 and 21 and 25 and even 30. You know, I, I remember at 30 thinking far out, 40s old, but now I'm, I'm in my 40s. I look back and I go far out, I wish I was 30. <laughs> you know? and, and I'm sure, I'm sure, mate, it only progresses as you get 50 and 60 and 70, right? But I'm, but I'm right here, um, mate. I'm, I'm a long way yeah. down that journey and you're exactly right, mate. It's spot on. You know, I, I saw something on Instagram the other day. I'm, I'm quite social. I do like social media. I, I particularly like Instagram. Um, I saw something about saying, you know, we've, we've, um, we've all, we all, something about, you know, you've all got two lives 
And um, the second life begins when you realize that you only have one, you know, and I, and I thought far out, that is so true. You know, my, my mum died at 66, her brother died at 66. Um, you know, family, I have had family pass away early. I, I certainly hope that, um, that that's not me. Um, and I try and make sure that I do things that, that, um, that don't fast track that. Um, but I also am very conscious of living. And I, I am a bit of a daredevil. I do things, um, I do things that make me happy. I, I don't, ha- I don't have regrets in life. I, I've got great memories. Um, I do know that I can do things better. Um, I don't yeah. think that that's a regret. I just, I know that I can be better in some aspects of my life. Yeah. And I, and I, I try and make changes to to be better. But I don't beat myself up if I make errors. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you've got to enjoy yourself. So. Yes, I think the answer to your question really changes as you get older. Um, when I was young, mate, I just wanted to work my backside off and be the best I could in business. Um, and, I, and I didn't have any care or any worry. You know, I, I really, I worked hard. I, I think um, things that I have done well in business um, that, I, that I, I think to pass on to people to not underestimate is, is smile, look good, feel good. Um, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. I've always been a believer. If I feel good, um, everything falls into place. You know, I get my hair cut every two weeks. I wash my car once, twice, sometimes three times a week. Yeah. Um, I polish my shoes every week. I wear nice suits. It doesn't have to be the most expensive shirt suit. Um, I, I can afford to to wear nicer clothes now, but back in the day, you know, I used to wear a Kelly Country suit, and uh, which was like eighty bucks, hundred bucks. And I used to have hot chip sandwiches on white bread because I couldn't afford to now <laughs> go and have a, a cheese and prosciutto and rocket sandwich toasted. You know, like life changes <laughs> as um, as you as you get uh, more income and money. But yeah. don't be don't, don't don't try and keep up with everybody. I see a lot of kids these days trying to keep up, particularly in the real estate industry. You know, there's a a lot of kids driving nice cars, wearing flash suits, going out to flash dinners, you know, and they're earning 60, 80 grand a year. Yeah. But you're not on a million dollar a year income. Yeah, but 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 they try because I, I think that's one thing that the industry has let has let out has let kids down in in is that um, you know, people try and be something that they can't afford to be, you know, and people get credit card debt and then they can't afford this and they can't afford that. Um, you know, I, I just think that that's really wrong. Don't, don't be afraid to, to be a sponge and learn everything you can at a young age. Um, because you know, you, you, you think you're old, but you're not, um, you've got a lot of living to do and you've got a lot of time to create wealth. Um, but yeah, make money while you sleep. Totally agree. You you mentioned something that I think I'd like to dig into and that, you know, but the question that you're asking yourself now is, well, what, really fulfills me yeah can you sort of and you're probably still contemplating that as we speak are you able to share a little bit more about what's in your thinking about that at the moment i i think one of the biggest things that covid did for me that where i where i was got off track is my health and fitness um you know i i collect wine i I actually i'm a a shareholder in in a restaurant a wine bar restaurant in randwick called cellar cellar vinoteca i absolutely love it um it's an amazing restaurant. We've got an amazing chef, Marco Mazzotti. He's, he's phenomenal. Fabio Dore, who's a great friend of mine, um, is an amazing sommelier. I love wine. So I, COVID, I drank heaps. <laughs> I started getting stuck into my uh, wine collection. But I, I enjoyed it, right? I really enjoyed it. Um, but I actually stopped exercising, which was the, the biggest downfall, I think, for me. And I've actually found it incredibly difficult to get back into it. I was one of the fittest blokes running around. You know, yeah. I was running marathons, 100 kilometres. I was doing Ironmans. Um, you know, I, I was swimming, biking, running, you know, 20 hours a week. Yeah. Um, and and I've got to say it's the biggest thing that I've fallen back on that I have not been doing. And yeah. it's I've, I'm, I'm still, to this minute, I'm finding it hard to make the decision to, to get back into it. I'm trying to get back into it without a big goal. Um, to to just try and find balance and and run a few two three four times a week, 
but I kind of feel like I'm the sort of person that needs that big goal to yeah. uh, to 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 achieve or to to get fit and healthy again. Like I I'm a bit of an all or nothing person, yeah. um, and and that has served me very well in business, um, and has served me well in in health and fitness. But but the nothing part of that is is not serving me well right now. So um, I think what you know what fulfills me. I want to spend more time with my kids. Um, I'm I'm trying really hard to um, to be able to do that. Um, and you know I, I want to take kids to school. Something as simple as that. You know yeah. about about catching up with um, with kids during the week. About spending time with them on the weekends. About turning up to that rugby game. You know I'm watching my son play rugby. I'm watching my daughter play netball. I'm trying to do more things like that, and that is fulfilling me. Um, I, I mentioned earlier that, you know, I was the most booked auctioneer in the country and how that's changing for me. It's changing as a result of me wanting to spend more time with with family and um, understanding that, um, that you know, that, that, that earning the dollar isn't everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but my old man used to always say money isn't everything, but it's right up there with oxygen. <laughs> he's probably, <laughs> he's probably pretty, pretty right. But um, I think that, you know, when you're on your deathbed, no one's going to ask you how much money you made in March or June or, or July. You know, um, you, you go to the you go to the grave with a significant wealth pool um, that you do pass on to uh, to to younger generations and your kids, etc. But um, I think that that you you can potentially focus too much on that and lose sight of you know what's actually really important to you. You know, I often death death actually skip, frightens the hell out of me, to be honest. Um, but I often think about um, about about that, and I think about like who's around, like who's standing at my deathbed, who's with me, who who are my who are my absolute close friends. So you know, saying yes to going out to dinner with somebody who's maybe not a really close friend and sacrificing go to going to a, a kid's school play, for example, is yeah. for me right now is a non negotiable. Just not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so they're the, they're the things that I think, as you get older, you start thinking more about them. And, and then your children. I, one of my goals is I I want to walk my daughter down the aisle. Like even just saying writing that goal down, I started crying to myself, yeah. thinking I can't. What an amazing, um, what an amazing. And it's not necessarily just walking down the aisle, but it's a life experience, really. Yeah. You know, I think that it's about being there for your children, um, and 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 also not. Bushy, I reckon, like not not underestimate being there for yourself. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. Like, I think that you know, like I'm the sort of person that does a lot for other people. Yeah. Um, you know, I've I say yes to to charity stuff all the time. Yeah. Like this month alone, I'd have five or six charity auctions that I'm doing that I'm sacrificing time out of for myself and time spent with other people for for charity work but like that's always been important to me yeah. and i find i actually find it really hard to say no um yeah you know so i don't know that's 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 been important to me i'm an ambassador for youth off the street so I've, I've raised a couple of million dollars for yachts and i'm a great friend of father chris riley like i i um you know i, I do a lot of work with the children's cancer institute with ronald mcdonald house so i don't know i just i'm a bit of a bit of a sucker for helping people because um but you know, maybe maybe sometimes I also need to think about trying to help myself too. So, yeah, that's that's always important. a challenge when you when you're someone who is so giving and 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 so focused on always doing doing your best. The, the often the big loser in that is, is yourself. And yep. uh, you know, fulfillment. You know, it took my dying mother for me to learn, uh, Damien, that true fulfillment comes from giving freely to others without ever expecting anything in return. Absolutely, something, something she'd always done, and something that uh, I hadn't yep. really thought about it until I, I spent twelve months looking after her uh, when she was dying of cancer. But, yep, uh, give to not receive. Yeah, and it, it's it's until you until you start doing it, you don't you just don't uh, appreciate just how uh, fulfilling and satisfying that that really is. So I sort of I understand the challenges you have there because you know as a, as someone who who really wants to make a dent and make a difference and and improve yeah. lives it's it becomes a oh, bit of a you know you're like a, a moth to the to the flame yep. 
and you you know for you spending time with your mum during that time what a beautiful time um to spend time with her and learn um and ask questions i i had uh, a lot of things that i wanted to say to my mum you know when when she was passing and when she was in palliative care you know i i asked her if she was um proud of me that was something that i really wanted to ask which was important to me yeah. um i I, uh, you won't be surprised to hear the answer was yes. <laughs> um, I, um, I, she wrote me a letter. She actually wrote all five kids a, a birthday card to open up on our birthdays after she passed, which was wow. just a very, very emotional day. Um, I went up on top of the hill at my farm and I opened up the card after sitting there for about two hours just looking at it. Um, and I opened it up and, you know, it was, you know, happy birthday, darling. Um, she said, you know, Damien, I always knew you were going to shine but don't forget what's important, you know. And to me, that was the that was her way of saying, do not forget your family is important. You know, that was absolutely, it was my mum saying, you know, my life's, my life's coming to an end. Um, but it, it wasn't about what job she had. It wasn't about what wealth she created. It wasn't about anything else other than her family, full stop. Yeah, so I think that that's a that there's a there's a lesson in that. I mean, there's got to be time for everything, but you you just can't forget what's important in life. Uh, so, and the, those fundamental foundation stones, uh, you know, without them, uh, it's like a house of cards anyway, Damien. But uh, I think we need to start talking about auctions before I start crying, though. I know, mate. I know. <laughs> We're going to break this great chat with Damien Cooley here and pick it up in the next episode, where we'll enjoy a fascinating discussion on all things auction, so you can't afford to miss next week's show. Thanks for getting invested. Now, here's three easy ways you can take action to start making it happen, to ensure you build momentum and start living by design, not default, so that you're following your freedom formula. Firstly, subscribe to this podcast, if you haven't already, and keep the weekly inspiration coming. Secondly, Get a copy of my book, Get Invested, for free and find out what it takes for you to invest in living more and working less. Just visit bushymartin.com.au forward slash books or knowhowproperty.com.au or click on the links in the show notes. And thirdly, join me and the Get Invested community. Each month, I send a free and exclusive email full of practical self-health and wealth wisdom that our current Freedom Fighter subscribers can't wait to get. Just visit bushymartin.com.au, scroll to the bottom of the page and sign up. And there you have it. In three easy steps, you're on your way to dusting off your forgotten dreams and making them a reality. Get Invested is proudly part of the Property Hub, your home for property investment insights and inspiration. When you subscribe to the show, you get all of your Get Invested episodes along with Realty Talk. Australia's longest running and leading online property show for red hot property investing news and insights direct from all of the industry leaders and influencers. And finally, feel free to connect with me on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn as I'd love to hear your feedback, your inspiration, your ideas and your questions and queries anytime. Thanks for listening. Hear you next week. And as always, dream as if you will live forever and live as if the day's your last. Mm-hmm.